0: This is Chris
1: Talk Movies. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. My name is Chris Ferry and this is my co host. I am Chris Huddleston. And today we are talking about the 1995 film, The Passion of Darkly Noon.
0: It attacked us fire, gunshots. So my parents get killed. They were shot. Somehow, I, I got
1: away. Shh. It's all right. Don't don't do that. Being naked isn't the same as sex, you know. It's a sin.
0: Well, surely God meant for us to enjoy ourselves.
1: I, I, I never met anyone like, like you before. I know. I think about you.
0: Callie loves clay. She has since the first time she saw him. I know what you're feeling. I can see it in your eyes back there. Me wrong! Monster of the forest, boy. You know what it feeds on. Beautiful, young man. Just like you. I love clay. God can strike me down dead if there's something wrong with that. And then she commenced to tempt him, to tease him. Clay. That house where you're living now, I lived there. My husband found a girl at the edge of the forest. I knew she was evil from the start. You can walk as far into the woods as you have a mind to go. She tempted him to her, and
1: <sighs> she killed him. It t- takes a-, a witch to do that i do anything i'm just trying to sort something out and when i sorted it out i'll be all right again you're helpless in the spell of a witch she's cursed your son
0: why are you looking at me that way no faith without blood
1: hallelujah time for my walk in the dark Okay. The trailer is complete. Do you have a synopsis for us, Mr. Hunt?
0: I do. I do. Uh, the Passion of Darkly Noon is a 1995 film written and directed by Philip Ridley. It stars Brendan Fraser, Ashley Judd, and Viggo Mortensen. And the synopsis is this. After the death of his strictly religious parents, forlorn young Darkly gets lost in the woods. A truck driver, Jude, rescues the exhausted man who has only a Bible for comfort. He brings him to the house of Callie and Clay, two liver, livers, two lovers, two livers, two livers who love in the forest. While Clay is away in the forest, beautiful Callie nurses Darkly back to health, and he develops an obsession with her that is totally contrary to his upbringing. A sexual obsession. When Clay returns home and Darkly sees the two lovers kiss, it is too much for him. Every night he hears them making love, which leads to Darkly's descent into madness. And to give you kind of an idea a little bit about this movie, uh, these are the top. It's kind of funny on IMDb to look at the keywords. So these are the top keywords. Masturbation, sleeping nude, sleeping naked, waking up naked, strong female. Wow. So, And this is listed as a drama, mystery, thriller. And I had watched this a long time ago. I had seen this once before. And you were completely unfamiliar with this, right, Chris? Never even heard of it. Okay, so you go first. Sure. Very dangerous. You go
1: first. I'll go first, yes.
0: (laughs) There was a crossword. Not really
1: dangerous, but. There was a crossword puzzle uh, clue the other day that, it made me think of that very quote is like something about um in, a danger to Indiana Jones. And was ah. like, asps.
0: asps. You said asps. in solid was, was asp the asps the, that was the correct the answer. Oh, yes. that's great. I love that. Yeah, yeah. You have to say that in the solid. I think it might've even
1: said very dangerous to Indiana Jones or something uh, like that. I like this. <laughs> yeah. Very like dangerous. It. You go you first. Go first. <laughs> so, So here's what I think. It was actually, um, it was a strange film. Uh, I was intrigued by the casting. We got Brendan Fraser. We got Viggo Mortensen. We got Ashley Judd. And I thought, hmm, that doesn't sound like flavors that are going to go well together. But I think all of the actors did an admirable job. This is before... They became the kind of household names, I think, that they have since become in their Mm -hmm. uh, their careers. I certainly, in 1995, I might have heard of Brendan Fraser at that point.
0: Yeah, I think he'd done stuff like Encino Man and things like this. But it was so. This was 95. I think it was like 99 when Georgia the Jungle and and uh, particularly the Mummy hit. Right. So he was just he was a kind of a known commodity, but not really a big star yet.
1: Not an A-lister, to be sure, and neither was Vigo, and I don't think Ashley Judd was either.
0: Ashley Judd had just done a couple of minor things, and this was right before, uh, I think, A Time to Kill was right around this time, and then uh, you know she did those Kiss the Girls and Eye of the Beholder, those kind of thriller things, and, and as you said, with Vigo Mortensen. It was, you know, uh, Lord of the Rings was, what, five years after this, something like that, five or right. six years. So, yeah. So they were all just right about ready to break out. But if people had seen this in 1995, they might have not known who any of these people were.
1: I love that story um, about Vigo Mortensen and the Lord of the Rings, where they offered it to him. And it was really a 10-year commitment to spend in New Zealand shooting these films. And... He, his impulse was to turn it down mm-hmm. just because he had a family and uh, at least one kid. Uh, and that just seemed like a crazy commitment. And his son said to him, Dad, you have to do it. it it's like they're asking you to play Luke Skywalker. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. that's the kind of role this is. Um, and so he took his son's advice. And I think he did a great job in that movie. Oh, so, yeah. Back to this movie. Um I'll talk about the stuff I like first. I like that it's weird. I like that it's a relatively small thing. And most of the weird I think works and surprised me. For example, Vega Mortensen's character, Clay, is a mute and has been his whole life. Um and at first you think oh, that's so it's a lot of this feels weird for its own sake. Mm-hmm. But then the actors commit to it and kind of make it work. And this is a case of that. You're like, so Clay, it's not Edward Norton. It's not a character actor. It's Viggo Mortensen, a man. I mean, he's so handsome, it kind of gets in the way of his actually really gifted acting, I think, sometimes. But he's done some really interesting things with like, so he communicates, obviously. He has his own sort of. It's not sign language per se, but he communicates in gesture and expression and body language. And he makes sort of makes sort of little, you know, verbal gestures and sounds. He does little bird song, little bird calls and things that really are very specific and very well done. And it struck me as that's probably the actor came up with all of those things. And the director was like, I love it. Keep it, you know? hmm. Um, Brendan Fraser, I don't love him in everything he's in and I didn't love him in this, but you, you, I I have to say that he's earnest. You know what I mean? He shows up and he does his best. It's not an actor I see phone it in, you know? Right. Um, and he's not phoning this in, he's doing a stutter that I think is effective for the most part. Kind of which
0: goes in away late in, in, yeah. late in the film. It's kind of gone, I, which I don't uh, I don't know if there was a reason for that. If that was to show that he was more. As he becomes more insane, it goes away or he's more Unplayed. confident or something. I don't I don't know if that was intentional or it just kind of happened. Yeah. And
1: Ashley Judd is playing this sort of. I don't know quite how to categorize it. This is not quite right, but I was going to say free spirit. Yeah, that she's was the same
0: word I was thinking. Yeah, yeah, same phrase.
1: She's very comfortable in her own skin, very comfortable with her body. She doesn't have any hang-ups about sex. Um, She's not a tease, right? Although viewed from Darkly's, Brendan Fraser's perspective... She's an enchantress, right? But mm-hmm. I don't see that in the film. And if anything, she's sort of it, it, the the danger is that it's this implausibly naive um, female character. But she doesn't play it that way either, you know. And 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 when she delivers her lines, it's very direct and very straightforward. And not monotone or monochromatic, but almost that. And then when things kind of go south, as you know they're going to from the minute you lay eyes on this movie, mm-hmm. um, her distress and despair is real and and very clearly felt. And we all think, well, come on, you you couldn't see this coming. But I think in her performance, she really makes it – she's not – Stupid or naive, uh, she sees that this guy is looking at her, but she knows that she's not deliberately leading him on. She's very clear with him about how much she loves Clay. And if there's naivete, it's just that she thinks, you know, she's giving this guy a chance to let it work out happily. And we, of course, as the audience, see that that is absolutely not. But we spend more time with Darkly than she does. Then there's some, there's some elements of this movie that make it feel a little bit like a student art film. Like there's a scene where he goes down by the pond or a river or something. And there's a giant silver shoe (laughs) floating by. And it's a long scene of him just sort of staring at this prop, uh, this, you know, you could climb, a person could ride in this shoe, a big boat-sized silver, like, boot that later is on fire. You know, it just feels like there's symbols in this movie, you know, that that these things are supposed to represent things or themes that never really became clear to me. Mm-hmm. And thus, they didn't quite chime. You know, I feel like I'm supposed to be capital G getting something out of this right you know this is supposed yeah. to mean things but I zooming back out I mean I think the movie its not a particularly long movie but it feels long um and maybe it's just from 95 to you know almost 30 years later um It's not really a horror movie. it's not really a thriller. It's not really a romantic you know it's not really a love triangle it It's a little bit of all of that stuff and Brendan Fraser is an unlikely you know he's the one that goes nuts in the end and he's he's the homicidal danger I think he's unlikely casting for that, and that it didn't he was never scary to me, you know. Yeah. even when he sort of wraps barbed wire around himself and he's all bloody and he sort of smears the blood all over him. So he's basically painted red. And, you know, it's more funny than anything else I felt like in the watching of it. I don't know. I'm I'm going on and on. What did you think?
0: So the first time I watched this, it was probably about 1999. And this was one of these that, you know, it's one of these things that almost doesn't exist now with streaming. I caught this on HBO or one of the movie channels, you know, late on a Saturday night and I probably had some drinks, you know, or whatever. And it's just one of these things where, you know, you just kind of catch one of these weird films. And there's a lot about this that is almost feels like a dream. Um, And there's a couple of things that I think contribute to that. the, it's supposed to be somewhere in the south of the United States, but it was filmed in Germany. And I think that, you know, makes it feel very strange because it's like, it doesn't really feel like it's America That in makes some a ton ways. of sense, actually. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't it? The woods
1: are almost a character in this. And it's not that we don't have great old woods in the United States, mm-hmm. like in Deliverance. And, you know, there's parts of Appalachia where there's old growth forest. Yeah but this doesn't feel like American woods. This feels like kind of ancient woods. Um, Yes. Germany makes tons of sense.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it gives it this kind of otherworldly feel. And the house that they live in is just in the middle of the woods, which I think is always, um, you know, always is always odd in movies. I think this, in a strange way, made me think a little bit of uh, the Hansel and Gretel or Gretel and Hansel, Movie that we watched a couple of months ago because it's almost you know I don't know if this was intentional, but it's almost this I don't know that primal is the right word but you know we've had fairy tales our entire lives of you know the house in the middle of the forest and
1: right once upon a time in the middle of nowhere
0: yeah so and I imagine that is probably intentional in this in this film another thing that makes it feel weird to me that that I think always makes films feel strange when they do this. A lot of the, it seems like a lot of the, um, dialogue is, uh, ADR. Is that the proper term where they've like recorded it later? Yeah. Um, cause a lot of it, you know, it makes it, it, it seems dubbed almost. And there was a lot of it where did that seem just like when they're speaking, it was just kind of strange. I, I I just kind of wondered if a lot of it was ADR. Um, you know, which it gives it.
1: Yeah, it didn't sound ADR to my ear, but I know exactly what you're talking about.
0: Yeah, you know, that where it just feels dubbed, sounds kind of dubbed, and it just gives a, you know, that always gives a bit of an otherworldly feeling, I think, to movies. So there's a lot of things that contribute, I think, to it almost being this kind of, almost like a dark fairy tale. I don't know if that was intentional by the director oh, I or not. Think
1: it, I think it was. Yeah. I think it was. I'm not sure that works. Right, but I think it was. Excuse me, one second. Clear. Oh, sure. All righty. Ooh, <laughs> I'm enjoying a, a draft Guinness. One of the cans. That oh, nice. Open that nitrogen ball goes. Psh-
0: nice. He can't. He can't beat a Guinness. Oh, yeah. But um, as you said, there are also these other things like with the floating shoe, where it's just like this is just weird for the sake of weird. Um as far as oh, as,
1: the parents, right? He has a vision. So he has sort of a psychotic break where he s- sees his parents up in a tree and they're clearly dead and they're full of bullet holes because apparently he's from this sort of cult community or whatever. And the local townspeople don't like him trying to drive him out and they won't go. So they, a mob shows up and just kind of massacres them and he gets away right and And i guess
0: he's the only one who's left yeah
1: yeah so he's has so he's going through a whole bunch of like acute trauma and ptsd Mm -hmm. um and and one of the things is that he sees his parents and they're sort of like you need to kill them son you know Uh, you know but they're they're zombies like they they're sitting there up in a tree talking to him and they're pallid and they've got like bullet holes in their head and chest and stuff. And it's very otherworldly. It's a comic actually. I mean, there's a lot in this movie that I, I wasn't sure how, how funny it intended to be. Did you feel that? I mean, I wasn't like, ha funny, but I was like, it's clownish in a way.
0: I, I didn't really, I felt like this was very earnest and I actually, um, Some of the stuff that I read on Wikipedia from the reviews at the time, Entertainment Weekly had talked about that a lot of this was unintentionally funny. I I thought it was supposed to be serious. Well, I thought it was
1: supposed to be serious overall. Yeah. But sometimes people use comedy to kind of leaven. You know, it's a spice that you use to... 11 serious material Leaven. I'm mixing my even within the baking and cooking metaphors I'm <laughs> mixing metaphors
0: it's okay it's all right you could do that. but yeah I, I I'm not sure um and my memory of this movie from the late 90s or early 2000s what I didn't remember a lot I remembered kind of the gist of this but in my memory it was very Disturbing. I was I was expecting this movie to be really disturbing, and it's not. It's not scary. It's I mean, it's definitely dark, but and strange and strange
1: and, and and I don't mean that. I mean in kind of a like the way you talk about umami. It's like this is there's a lot of like genuine strangeness to this movie, and I, I give the the actors a ton of credit for that. Right. That I think works. That they they harmonize the three of them the strangeness of this film and really, and, and elevate it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I agree. The big question kind of that I have is I'm not sure what, so it was the guy who directed it also wrote it, um, which I'm not familiar with any of his other films. Uh, But I'm not,
1: that absolutely makes sense when you watch this.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, he had directed, I think, one other film before this, uh, which I think he also wrote and directed, but I'm not exactly sure what his intention was with Callie. So, um, you know, the beginning of the film, she takes him in, he has a fever or whatever. She nurses him back to health after, I don't know, a day or two or something like that.
1: Yeah, he's mostly dehydrated.
0: Yeah, yeah, just from being out in the woods for for who knows and how long. And yeah. traumatized. And traumatized. Yeah, cuz everybody he's in a, shock. everybody's yeah. been killed. He's the only one left, you know. And he he tells her about his you know, people his his name Darkly Noon came from just opening up the Bible and putting, you know, his parents put their finger on the first thing that they saw. And, you know, he's, he says, that's how, you know, everybody in my family or whatever is named. And she says, it's a cult. And he says, it's not a cult, but any, at any rate, he's very, She says it's
1: a cult. He says, it's the truth.
0: Right. Right. And he's (laughs) continually kind of, uh, chastising her about it. They, they have kind of this back and forth between, you know, she is, as you said, she's this free spirit and she is, is trying to get him to kind of to see, I think that there's a world beyond what he has known. And, you know, it's all that he's ever known is, is this very strict, um, you know, he tells her she's not married to clay. Um, And he, you know, he tells her that that's a sin, you know, you you can't have sex before marriage.
1: Well, I'm sorry to keep interrupting. Sure. Sure. No problem. So he's a zealot, right? He's been raised as a zealot his whole life in a community of zealots. And she is a naturalist, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, even, even the institution of marriage, like she and clay are effectively married, you know, but the fact that they aren't formally married in the eyes of God is a real problem for darkly. Right. But she's, you know, you, it's clear from her perspective, like what's who care? What's the difference? You know, we're the love of each other's life. Day to day, we choose this is what we want. This is what brings us joy, you know? And it's it's crystal clear. She doesn't deceive him, you know, but it's crystal clear from the beginning that they're just soulmates and that's the way they want it. And so her point is like, why go to a church and get somebody else to call it something when it already is what it is? Mm -hmm. And she's just very, life is to be lived and air is to be breathed and sunlight is, you know, to be enjoyed and... And she's just trying to get this guy to live a little. And he's so tangled up in his dogma that has been programmed. You know, right. to be fair, since the time he was born. So it's a little it's a little bit of a doomed enterprise from the beginning. You know, she just does seem to sort of hope that he'll just kind of see it because it's the most natural thing in the world. And, yeah, he falls in love with her because she's gorgeous and she's free and open, right? hmm And comfortable. And she doesn't have hang-ups <laughs> the way that she def- he does. Yeah.
0: And that's the thing where I'm not exactly sure what he's trying to con- convey here because she, you know, she has these conversations with him and, you know, tries to, to push back on, you know, the, get him to open up a little bit beyond, you know, everything that he knows. And there's a scene where she takes him there's like a hot springs and she Throughout the film, she basically just wears these kind of, you know, thin dresses. And it's the, you know, it's the summertime in the south of Germany. <laughs> it's <the> summertime <laughs> in wherever they, I think it's supposed to be North Carolina. And, you know, so she's sweaty all the time yeah. and, you know, sweating through her dress and everything. And um, so she takes him to this hot springs and, you know, she gets in. and She's uh, going to get in naked. Yeah, she's gonna get in naked, and, and that
1: makes him intensely uncomfortable. So w- she doesn't; she leaves her slip on,
0: right? But she, she, uh, you know, he, she, she, he, he tries. She tries to get him to get in the water with her, and he won't. And then, you know, they show her get out of the water, and you know, they purposely show, you know, like her behind is the, you know, is the her dress is all wet and clinging to it and everything. And then she says, oh, there's a bug in my hair. Could you get it out? And she gets right up, you know, right up yeah. to where she's right in his face. And, you know, he pulls the the bug out. And then she takes him to this cave. And uh, she says, you know, this is my favorite place in the world. And uh, she shows him there's a uh, like a hand. Is there hand, or I think he maybe does a handprint later in blood, but there's like cave paintings in there you know and she says and he says you know they're talking and he says i think about you and she says i know oh and one thing that we had left out is um she has put him up in uh there they have a like a barn work area where clay uh does his woodworking
1: Right, he makes coffins
0: Yes, he makes for the conference. local undertaker. For the yeah, no and,
1: symbolism there, right? I mean, right. The exactly. whole movie is just a bunch of symbolism stitched together, and you, but you can never make heads or tails of it.
0: Right. So, you know, the thing I wonder about. So, it definitely seems like in these couple of scenes that she's toying with him a bit. You know, I mean, well, yeah, fair um, enough. A,
1: a little bit. There's there's a bit of like, but to me, the seduction was less. Cat on a hot tin roof and more, you know, like, you know, the way you sometimes might see a more experienced person teasing with a you know, teasing a, a more naive person. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's playful in a way, but that scene for sure did feel like she was exploring the idea of seduction with this guy.
0: And you wonder if he had been um, not – because he's – you know, it's obvious that he's a virgin. Yeah. Um, you wonder if he's ever even kissed a woman before. And if if she had um,
1: – But it doesn't feel cruel is what I'm saying. No, it's no, no it, no. it doesn't feel like she's toying with him. Then exploring the boundaries of like how do I get this guy to come out of his shell – and, oh, that's adorable how, you know, flustered he gets mm-hmm. and and not like, I'm going to make this guy squirm, which we see a lot on screen and which totally happens. I mean, it's a trope, but I thought it was kind of refreshing that that's not what we see going on on screen here that, you know, very tempting to paint the female character in a film like this as the, the, you know, I it's either. Um, Angel or a whore, right? Yeah, and certainly there's a mother-in-law character he meets in the woods, who's Clay's mother, that says she's a witch and puts all these, you know, does deliberately gin him up. And she's that's a great actress too. I can't remember her name, but she's terrific. Perfect role for her. Yes. Um. But I don't. I feel like Ashley Judge Judge Judge's performance doesn't tumble into that
0: here it's interesting because late in the movie when he so once clay shows up then he becomes very jealous of him um and then that's what kind of leads him to he just kind of goes over the edge you know when he sees them together and that's where like you said he he wraps barbed wire around himself i guess to you know try to control his urges or or whatever but at the end when he totally when he attacks them um, and the Jude, the friend shows up, uh, she says, did I do something wrong? And, you know, it's not like she could have envisioned that he would just go totally psycho, but it's also, um, it's kind of hard to imagine that she would think that there would be, that this guy wouldn't fall for her. You know what I mean? Yes. Um,
1: I think that it. it she couldn't imagine a guy wound that tight. Right. Yeah. And if, that feels naive to us. Cause we see it again and again in movies over and over and over again. It's like, well, you take a white man and you wind him up too tight. And what does he do? He snaps and he tries to kill everybody. Um, but you know, she, she can't conceive of that. No. Because, because that's not what she's made of. Right. She doesn't have violence in her heart.
0: No, um, no, she's a very kind, you know, how many and, people would just take in a total stranger and say, oh, you can just stay here as long as you want. Yeah, you totally. Know? And, and Clay, uh,
1: she says, is violent. Like, Clay goes away for days at a time, it walks off in the woods, you know, and comes back. But from the beginning, you think that's weird. Um, but then she's like, you know, don't, don't, you know, don't upset him, don't make him jealous, he, Clay. Can be very violent, you know? Don't set him off. Like, she's warning darkly. Right. And uh, so there's this kind of... I don't know. Did you ever see the movie Straw Dogs? Yes. Sam Peckinpah, right? Yes. So... Peckinpah has these pretty dated ideas about men and women and the roles they play, and men are basically—it's basically cavemen and women, and women are mm-hmm. objects and sexual objects in particular, and men fight and kill each other to own these sexual objects. Um, and there's a dash of the, those archetypes, maybe more than a dash, in this movie about the strong, silent type and the you know religious type wound too tight and the free spirit. And I think, I think the actors actually, and with the help of the director, you have to give him credit for this too, play against the cliche of that in the text mm-hmm. to try and find something true. Um, I think it is more, it is not entirely successful, but it's somewhat successful. I mean I there's a lot in this movie I respect. I don't know that I enjoyed it
0: right, so much. Right. Um, uh,
1: unfortunately. Uh but I I did find myself at the end sort of wishing that I had enjoyed it more.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um I agree. I I definitely think it's an interesting it's an interesting film. It shot well. Um the You know the acting. Another thing I was reading was that the, uh, the the acting is laughable, which I don't I don't necessarily agree with that. I mean, I think the performances are pretty good. Like you said, it maybe, um, you know, Brendan little tinker toy, yeah, 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 and uh, that that gets into that thing as you said of a a writer director. You know, there wasn't. uh, This was obviously you know we watched Justice League last week, and the craft services budget for that film was probably more than the budget for this. I'm almost certainly right. Um, so Tennessee um, Williams, it ain't exactly, exactly. But one, one thing that I wanted to touch on that you said there, you know, you brought up paw. even with this movie, you know, this it's, it's weird to think of, uh, 1995 as, you know, 25 plus years ago. But I think we definitely have twenty five years of evolution on just how we look at relationships you know in society has has changed even from yep. this point you know yep. so there's still we were still not quite as caveman like as in when i don't know straw dogs was nineteen seventy 1970 or nineteen seventy one or something like that but st- we were still in a cavemanish area era and you know twenty five years from now. Uh, people are going to look back on now and, and think, wow, how how could people have looked at you know things the way that they did? But yeah, I just wonder with her character, if he had been a little bit not quite as naive as, as he had been, if he had, uh, you know, if he had kissed her, if he had tried to sleep with her. Or something was she such a free spirit that she would have just said, hey, this is just, you know, what people do. And right. I love you know, I'm Clay, not married. You know what I mean? Just Tuesday afternoon. Like, at yeah, Saturday yeah. The
1: moment. I, I don't know. Maybe. I, I think the movie is actually kind of richer for making that territory seem viable without her without. Defining that as her being slutty or whatever. Yeah. Right. I actually like that gray area of the movie because it it avoids making her culpable. Yes, um, which I think is actually much more human. You know, I mean, nothing really happens. She does with the bug in her hair. It's like you're getting pretty. You know, he, you can tell he's already, you know, struggling here, and you're getting very close to him. Like yes, you're just. And again, it doesn't feel cruel in the moment, but you're like, I don't know that that's necessary. You know what I mean? Like, read the room. <laughs> it's definitely, it's read definitely an,
0: it's definitely inappropriate. You know? Yeah. And and she and definitely knows.
1: Wrong, you know, yeah. I'm not saying you're the bad guy. I'm just saying it's like, you know, this
0: is. But and she's you... not completely naive about it. It's not yeah. like a girlfriend. No, and I'm not saying she's completely innocent either,
1: but I feel like it's, which is human. I just feel like oftentimes on screen, it's sort of the female characters are either, they're good and virtuous or they're, you know, bad and the cause of all the men's problems. Right. And that's, it's sort of written that way, actually, Mm -hmm. but it isn't directed and acted that way. And I found that, refreshing um in a movie that otherwise is painted in such primary colors
0: yeah what did you think about this is just a very minor part but what did you think about the friend the with the truck was he so yeah let's there's talk a about little b- the peripheral character yeah there's a little bit of a subplot where he um uh where he tells Darkly that, uh, hey, um, and I don't remember where it is that he's wanting to go, but he wants to get away from there because there's basically nothing going on, and he's going to take Darkly with him, and Darkly kind of agrees, and I don't know if it's if he can see what's happening there, if he's like, hey, I need to get this guy out of here because he's becoming obsessed with her. I don't know what his feelings are About her, this Jude, if he is in love with her too, or I thought maybe he could be gay too. I wasn't, I wasn't, I was very unclear about what. It was unclear. How did you feel about him?
1: I I think that all the peripheral characters are very thinly sketched. Yeah. So we meet him, we meet the undertaker who comes in and it's a strange performance because the undertaker can't shut up. Mm -hmm. The Undertaker is a character that talks incessantly. Um, He has a flamboyance to him.
0: Very kind of poetic with his speech.
1: Yeah, and it's just nonstop, blah, 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 right? Mm -hmm. As juxtaposed to Clay, who is literally mute, right? Mm -hmm. And he's the Undertaker, so he represents death. And it's just a two-dimensional... The guy doesn't have enough time on screen to really make it a three dimensional character and it's not written as a three you know he's he's a symbol of something in the movie but I didn't it wasn't clear to me what that was supposed to be and the friend who can't wait to get out of town is more fleshed out but it's the same thing it's like I just don't so what are we what are we doing with this guy what does he represent or what does he I think in some ways the friend is a kind of like the sort of what could be the potential outcomes of stuff. Like what if this guy hadn't found him lying in the road or what if he hadn't been able to stop in time or what if he does get out and start a new life or what if he takes darkly with him? How might have all of this been different? Right. Mm Um. The gay thing is kind of interesting. It, that would have been more interesting if that got fleshed out a little bit. Um he didn't seem to be in love with uh her beyond everyone seem you know she's sort of a ray of sunshine I think in the movie and everybody sort of falls in love with her, you know. Yeah,
0: he could have just been uh He certainly he loves, just ca-
1: loves her. But I don't know that it, you know, but he also recognizes that she and Clay are sort of two forces of nature and that, well, that's what that is, Mm -hmm. you know, but so I I don't, I mean, he sort of, He, he seems like he loves her and he's attracted to her, but he's not you know, not in a way that threatens what she has with clay.
0: And it's almost as if, doesn't he bring them groceries and things? It's almost yeah. like, it's, like it's almost the guy with
1: the truck. He comes in from town or whatever.
0: right. And it's almost like the two of them. So clay has completely built this house from scratch him, himself. And, you know, the it's kind drives
1: of, all the way from North Carolina to Germany.
0: Yeah. All the way from North Carolina to Germany. It's a long, long drive. Um, and but the, the house is, you know, she uh, there's a part where she's working on the roof because she says, you know, that everything is falling apart all the time. So it's it's almost kind of like, you know. Um,
1: well, that's another thing. She says that like six times. Everything's it's all just it's all falling to pieces. It's all falling apart.
0: I don't know if that was foreshadowing, because when at the end, when they have the big battle, when uh, uh, Darkly attacks the two of them, he like the wiring is very bad in the house. You know, he just hits the wall with this weapon that he has and it, uh, you know, it's, it starts to rip the wires out and, you know, immediately starts a fire. So I don't know if that was, you know, trying to set up those like, this is, this is not built to code, you know, this is (laughs) so it could very easily, you know, start a fire. But, uh, but I don't know if uh, with Jude, if it's almost like, um, you know, I, I didn't think there was any, uh, you know, he had any kind of ill will towards them or anything. It's, uh, I kind of felt like it was almost like, you know, they kind of have difficulty taking care of themselves almost. And cause they're just so kind of weird that, you know, he feels like he needs to look after them a little bit. Right, I don't, I the, don't the know.
1: Coffin making is, can't be super lucrative.
0: Right. Yeah. It's,
1: yeah. They're just kind of, they just kind of do what they need to do. Right. Mm-hmm. And he needs to go away and take his walks in the woods every now and then. And that makes her distraught and but she's overjoyed. You know, she accepts they accept each other for how they are. And I do get the sense that the friend is a little concerned about them. Like, yeah. you know, this isn't sustainable. <laughs>
0: well, and the yeah, exactly. And the um so there's a part where um somebody is shooting at them. Is that the is that the woman's yes. okay, yeah. And, uh, because it, you know, you don't see her. And so early on, you don't know if it's just like all the people that live around there that, that, you know, that she's almost kind of like Darkly's people where they don't accept her and they're wanting to run her out, but it, but it turns out it's just that woman that lives in the woods also in a trailer. Yeah. Right. So I don't know. I mean,
1: the forest people,
0: (laughs) So what would you would you recommend this to people or
1: I I think not actually. Um I wouldn't dissuade like I wouldn't say don't waste your time but I I would think that this would be I don't regret having watched it. I thought it was interesting because it was an interesting look at so 1995 was when I graduated from college. Is that when you graduated from college? Mm-hmm.
0: Right around then, yeah.
1: You know, so that was an interesting time in my life, but also the careers of Brendan Fraser and Viggo Mortensen and uh, Ashley Judd. Um and I thought the watching it for those three actors at that point in their careers was was interesting. But you know, if you're if the audience who's asking Is, you know, a couple who wants to pop some popcorn and have a good time on the couch watching a movie, I'd be like, pass. Um, If it's another, you know, single guy who does a podcast (laughs) with his buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Then then I might say, oh, yeah, you know, it's worth, you know, watch Zardoz. You might as well watch this. (laughs) Um, Exactly. You know, I, I thought it was interesting enough to be like, if you want. But if people were like, oh, is that good? I'd be like, eh. you know, what did you?
0: Yeah, think? well, th- this is an interesting thing. In On uh, Wikipedia, the Daily Telegraph from the UK in 2014 uh, had this in the top 10 of the 50 most underrated films of all time. Um, it's definitely a movie that a lot of people haven't seen. For sure. I had
1: never heard of it.
0: Yeah. I, I don't know if I would have known this if I had. So what happened was it was one of those things which s- several I think of these f- films that we've watched have come up this way. Um, I was on Prime and this came up as, you know, you watch something else, you might like this. And I was like, oh, yeah, I totally forgot about that movie. You know, I saw this 20 years ago or whatever. And... um you know, I don't know if I had ever wa- would have watched it again, if not for that. But I definitely think it's an an interesting film, as you said, as much as anything, for the fact that th- these were three actors that who were really on the cusp of of superstardom, kind of all at the same time. Yeah, and um, three good actors. Three good actors. Yeah, and I also think it's. Something that I think about, I probably think about these things too much, but um, as I get older, you get to a period, you know, we've seen so many movies in our lives at this point, probably literally thousands of movies, right? Definitely hundreds of movies. Um, And you get to the point where you've basically seen everything from a standpoint of there is even a movie like this that is pretty weird and kind of out there. And not, you know, definitely not intended for um, this is an interesting contrast to Justice League that we watched last week. I liked this more than Justice League, I have to say, Um, you know, because that was a movie for a giant mass audience. And this is not. But you know what I mean? Where even a weird movie like this, you're just like, okay, I've seen this before. I've seen this before. I've seen this. You know what I mean?
1: I admire it in small movie ways. Mm-hmm. You know, as a as a person who has been involved in making small movies, I think this succeeds in artistic ways that are hard to do.
0: I think um, it succeeds more than it fails. It's not like it's a
1: Yes, but it's it's aiming so high. I mean, it's really aiming for like it, it it's it's trying to bring a lot of like philosophical and archetypal stuff together in an artistic way that like harmonizes in this kind of like way. And it it just, it doesn't, it doesn't achieve that.
0: Yeah. I think that's the problem of a writer director on a, a small budget film like this, where, You know, there's not a whole lot of anyone there to be like, maybe we'll cut this out. Maybe you don't need this in there. You know, he's probably trying to explore too many things. I'm sure.
1: Yeah. For example, zoom out and you're like, what is this? Is this a horror movie? Is it a thriller? Is it a, you know, is it a love triangle? And he's like, yes, yes. And you're like, no, you get, you got to pick one. It's a movie. Yeah. Right. I mean, so it's not a poem. Uh, You, 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 you kind of got to pick what you're going to market this as, if it's going to be a successful film. And as much as I hate to monetize, I mean, it's an art form, you know, but but we are conditioned as viewers to sort of categorize. And when you sit down to watch Zack Snyder's Justice League, you know exactly what you're sitting down to, right? And you judge it by those criteria. When you sit down to The Godfather... You know what you're sitting down to and you say that is incredible, like the cinematography, the acting, the script, the score like this is this is incredible as a as a, you know, gangster mob drama. This is the sort of epitome of the. Genre. And so this one, you're like, I don't even know what genre it is. Mm-hmm. My wife was asking me, "What kind of movie is it?" I'm like, I, I don't it's know. Kind of all over the place. <laughs> it's it's weird, yeah. is what it is. It's uh, it's trying to be a bunch of things, and it doesn't succeed in being a bunch of things,
0: right? And, and I think you know symbolism in films. You know symbolism. It can be too on the nose, but also it can be so obscure that you know like we're watching it and you know both of us had the same reaction what is this giant shoe floating down the river supposed right. to be i don't know what that's supposed to symbolize right. but early on in the movie when when the guy uh takes him in the truck i think he's kind of sprawled out with his arms on his side on his sides and it's almost like a christ like pose you know and it's the passion of darkly noon you know so it's like yeah. okay we we're, we're, yeah get, get it, it? We're, yeah. We're putting a bunch of biblical stuff in here. You know? Yeah. He's but, but a Christ-like figure. doesn't go deeper figure. than that. It right. Doesn't go exactly. That.
1: You're like, well, I get that. But, you know, and. Yeah. When when they did Schindler, when uh, Spielberg did Schindler's List, it was black and white. Right. And then he sees the little girl in the ghetto and they colorize her coat red. Right. So he sees the red coat later. And. It's like the red balloon. I mean, it's not. He's not the. He didn't invent that. Mm-hmm. But that's very on the nose, right? That's a that's a single use of color in a black and white film to point out something, and it. There's no subtlety to it, right? It's a big silver hammer hitting that note. <laughs> but Spielberg's a master director, so right, yeah, you know, and there's enough else going on in that movie that you get. I mean, th- that whole movie. I'm not saying it's not a good movie. I'm just saying it paints in um, in huge emotional colors, right? So, of course, it's black and white, right? Because it's, it's an operatic subject matter, and it's an operatic... It, it's just... That movie is exhausting to watch, not only because it's so tragic, but because it's just... Body blow, body blow, potty blow, potty blow, right? Mm-hmm. And so you can pick that apart and you can say, Spielberg, couldn't you have been a little more whatever? But you don't fault the guy. You know, Those are choices that the filmmaker made and you weren't confused. <laughs> you, know, you weren't watching and be like, what's happening? <laughs> like, he took you by the hand and he led you through this film. And in this one, you feel like somebody dropped a thing in your lap and you're like, wait, is that a grenade or a pine cone? <laughs> is it a pine cone? If so, what does that mean? Why did you drop this in my lap? And right. Yeah. If it's a grenade, you're like, what the hell? <laughs> I mean, it's just like, you don't, that mm-hmm. shoe is a perfect example. So then some carnies show up later and they're like, oh, we our train flipped over or something in the river. And, you know, we lost our shoe and it's kind of like they're dressed up as carnival people. But they never explain what how the shoe was part of their act, Mm-mm. It, and so it's supposed to be like, oh, that's closing the loop. But you're like, I still don't know what happened. Yeah, like, what it's does this trying. Mean?
0: Yeah, it's trying to explain the shoe, but it doesn't do it well. And and it, it, yeah that that was one of the worst bits to me in the movie. I I felt like it would have been better off just never explaining, trying oh, to explain you the had shoe, to
1: tie off the shoe, and you're like, no, you yeah. just you did not have the shoe in the movie. Like what? Yeah this yeah, supposed sure. to mean or is it supposed to mean this is all meaningless this is has as much meaning as a giant floating silver boot a flame in the lake oh i like, imagine well, in that case why did i watch it
0: yeah my guess <laughs> was it was supposed to mean something but it's just apparently it went over our heads you know but but I, I would say you know like you said uh kind of the same caveats if you like artsy kind of weird dark movies and you want to see these people before they were stars. I, I would say go for it. And it's also, you know, sometimes art house films like this can be, it's not really slow, super slow paced. I mean, there's kind of always something happening and there's not a lot of super long takes, um, you know, where it just drains you. I don't feel, um, so, uh, but People who are, you know, not into the artsier, you know, they like people who like the more B-movie kind of things that we uh, cover a lot on this show are probably not going to be into this, I would say. It's a 5.6 on IMDb, which I'd put it somewhere around there, you know, five, five and a half, something like that.
1: Yeah, that seems about right to me. I don't know the number of...
0: Yeah, yeah, I don't know the number of um oh it only has wow thirty five sixty nine is it's five point nine three thousand five hundred sixty nine uh ratings on i m d b that's got to be one of the lowest numbers i've ever seen, yeah, so i mean yeah, not it, again, you want to see an under a very very underseen movie uh go for it and i mean this is neither here nor there, but Ashley Judd is just gorgeous in this movie.
1: Um, yeah, yeah, I, but I think she, I think her performance is, is more nuanced. At first, it seems very surface, but as you watch the film and you get into this, I think there's some subtle stuff she's doing. I, I really admired her performance in this and I how mm-hmm. all of them. And yeah, Vigo's, all of them are good. Her and Vigos in particular, and to a lesser degree, I mean, I think I remember young, um,
0: Brendan Fraser. Yeah.
1: Thank you. Brendan Mm -hmm. Fraser as being adventurous and wanting to do interesting movies and monsters ball and wanting to do kind of indie things. that felt like it was edgy and out of the box. And I think this fits right into that. Um, Yeah.
0: Yeah. And again, this is pre, uh, I don't know if people are into Brendan Fraser. He's walking around with his shirt off a lot in this, but it's, it's before, uh, george of the jungle where he was like all ripped right. he's he's like a little doughy you know in this but <laughs> um but yeah so I, I i you know i enjoy what just going back and watching these things with artists or actors rather you know when they were it's fun to see these people when they were super young yeah also I agree. so what do you want to do for next time Monsieur? uh i I hadn't really thought about it too much. Did you have any thoughts?
1: You know, I had a wild idea fly out of left field.
0: I like those kind of ideas. Yeah.
1: What about Donnie Darko?
0: Oh, I. you're speaking my language. I love Donnie Darko.
1: I don't know why that has been in the back of my mind. I watched it once when it came out, and I know it's a cult thing. That. I think that's Jake Gyllenhaal's debut.
0: I believe it is.
1: And I have my since then, I've been like, I gotta go back and watch, rewatch Donnie Darko. And for whatever, when I thought, what are we gonna do next? Donnie Darko and that crazy bunny mask Mm -hmm. leapt into my brain. And I don't know. Let's, it's 2001, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I know it's, I was gonna be like, oh, it's mainstream. (laughs) It's not.
0: No. (laughs) Right?
1: I mean, it's, I don't know. I'm assuming people have heard of Donnie Darko, but maybe they haven't. It's not weirder than
0: it's, I mean, I it's, mean we it, did
1: Snyder's Justice League. We could do yeah. Donnie Darko. It
0: has a it has a big cult following. Uh because yeah, sure. it's a
1: really interesting movie.
0: Um it uh oh, I put in Donna Darko. That is not. That what is we're looking a for. different film. Um No, yeah, this is uh I've watched Donnie Darko a bunch of times because um, I've always, it has to, by comparison to uh, the movie that we just reviewed that is probably a similar budget, I would say, uh, Donnie Darko has 745,000 reviews on IMDb. Yeah, I think
1: so, as a, we'll get into it. But let's watch Donnie Darko for next
0: time. Okay. I'm down for that for sure.
1: Uh, I'm excited to see that again. I want to I remember it being kind of a mind bender when I first watched it and I immediately was like I need to go back and re It's like we were talking about Tenet. Mhm. You know, I I need to go back and rewatch Tenet having seen it once so I can pick up all the little easter eggs and clues he leaves along the way and i I felt like with donnie darko it's the same thing at ben's time and you're like wait so is he nuts or is he did it is it real and you have to like really go back over it and make it doesn't spoon feed you answers but you can watching it a second time or a third time even gives you more as a viewer more um clarity on what you want to decide to see it has absolutely
0: yeah i'm very excited i i am a big i mean i'm letting the cat out of the bag i guess i I'm a big fan of this movie so
1: great I have not seen it a bunch of times I've just seen it the once, so I'm excited to rewatch it
0: okay cool okay all right so Chris and chris
1: talk movies at gmail dot com You can email us or you can find us on the socials. I suppose you could send us a tweet if that's if that's if you're so inclined. Watch your we would page. love
0: to hear if anybody has watched the Passion of Darkly Noon other than us.
1: I had never heard of it, yeah, I was surprised that the film existed
0: mm-hmm. if so if you're out there, if you've seen it, let us know.
1: yes, yes, send us an email, won't you, and say what you think about it, and what else is do we have other stuff we want to?
0: Uh, two quick things. I guess I could say I watched um a couple of movies this week that uh that one that I told you about, the Rental from 2020. Oh yeah, um, which I thought was very interesting. Directed by Dave Franco, and it stars Dan Stevens and uh Allison Brie and Sheila Vand from uh the girl a girl who walks. The a Girl, girl walks Who Walks Home out. Alone at Night. <laughs> a Girl Walks A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. She's the girl from it. And which I thought was really good, yeah. a very good thriller. Um I'd recommend that to people. And then I also watched Hardware from 1993, <laughs> oh, I think. Yeah, which yeah. I had not seen since since it originally
1: I don't think I've ever seen it all the way through.
0: So it's uh um, it's you can't find it on streaming. I don't know why, and I'm one of these weird people where I still pay for the DVD part of Netflix because for that exact same reason. Because there's a lot of stuff that you can't get on streaming anymore, and um, uh, it's a weird movie. It's cool though. It's it's basically they're borrowing a lot from uh, the Terminator. But I thought I had seen it before. I don't, but I don't think I ever had because I didn't remember anything from it.
1: There's another one I thought about you on and I'll see if I can't find it on streaming it's I think it's called virus and it's from the 90s and it's about some sort of alien asteroid or something lands they're on a ship and it this is this alien virus kind of takes over the, the hardware the computer systems and mm-hmm. it makes cyborgs out of the crew ah. so it't kind of a, it's a little bit of the thing it's a little bit of hardware. It infects the crew and turns them into like half human, half, you know, uh, erector set monsters. And it's got, um, it's I, I, two beers and I'm already forgetting people's oh. names. Um, Donald Sutherland is the captain oh, okay. of the ship. Yeah. And I feel like there's at least one other recognizable name in it. Um, but I thought it's right in our wheelhouse. I'm oh, not really has in the Jamie mood for Lee... it this week. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's Jamie, Jamie Lee Curtis. Lee Curtis. Um, oh, cool. I, yeah. I'm not really in the mood for it this week. I, I de- I'm excited about Donnie Darko, but we ought to put that on our spreadsheet too. Yeah.
0: Yeah, for sure. There's a lot of, you know, this is one of these things that I, I've, there's a lot of um, these nineties um, films that uh you know, that I just missed for whatever reason, you know, late eighties through, through late nineties, early two thousands that I just didn't see. And it's fun to go back and, um, you know, and check them out. So yeah, that, that, that is one that would definitely be in our wheelhouse, but with, uh, hardware, it's, it's gained a a pretty big cult following and Richard Stanley, who, um, directed it, sadly, um, He did that and he did uh, kind of his big break really was um, the Island of Dr. Moreau. I don't know if you've ever seen that one with. uh, uh, um, Shoot. Now I can't remember anybody's name. Anyway, it was this nineties Val Kilmer and um,
1: Brando, wasn't it?
0: And Brando. Yeah. And it was this disaster because Richard Stanley just worked on it a few days and then he freaked out and took off into the jungle And they had to have another director come back in and work on it. And he basically didn't work for years and years and years because of that. And then last year, the year before he did, um, uh, he did a movie with, um, shoot, this is terrible. I can't remember anything. Um, so Richard Stanley, I'm going to look here real quick, uh, Colorado space. He did, Um, um, with Nick Cage. And so that was kind of, which was a really weird film, but was well received. And that was kind of his, it was like people had rediscovered him and his, you know, his career was coming back. And then just like a week or so ago, um, his partner or a former partner of his said that he's super abusive and he would beat her up all the time uh, and all this. Wow. So, like That's everybody that that got involved with him with this color out of space like now have they're like yeah we're not working with they were going to do another movie with him and they were like we're not yeah. working with this guy now so uh kind of he's kind of come full circle where it's like his career was over once and then like 25 years later started back up again and it looks like his his career is done again so well
1: that sucks but nobody likes don't, an abuser
0: don't beat up your spouse or your uh uh your partner is the moral of the story don't beat up your partner don't be an asshole and
1: on that note
0: (laughs) that's words (laughs) to live by yeah Uh, that's (laughs) one to grow on (laughs) all right GI (laughs) Joe. let's
1: call it for today we'll watch Donnie Darko for next time won't you watch it with us and join us next week and um
0: We'll catch you next time.
1: Yeah, we'll catch you next week. <laughs> like, week, 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 week. We will talk to you next week.